is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, my dude, uh, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. Mr. Rivers, hello, sir. How are you? Good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Can I tell you something that bothers me about our workplace? Oh, please do. Please share. All right. And I appreciate it that, uh, you know, I look at this maybe a little different than, than, than some other folks, but... It, there's two there's two parts of this. Wait, there's two. There's two parts. I do not understand why when we get a gaggle of free food oh, yeah. in the in the break room, uh-huh. which we do on a fairly regular basis, why nobody can clean up after themselves. Why no one that takes the last piece of anything can throw the box away. Oh no, no. Why it's nobody just left there. Oh, there's there's carnal damage done. It drives me absolutely insane. And then also too, and this one is just gross. As a 47-year-old man, mm. I do not understand why we walk into our main, like, sort of bathroom back there, yeah. and on any given day, it can look like somebody used the restroom in there and didn't know how to clean up after themselves. Yeah. And I don't understand this. So if I can speak freely. Please, please do. Please. Um, I also have a beef with our bathroom here. A couple of things. One, to your point, when we walk in and there's just water all over the counter— I'm like, okay, so who washed their hands and just didn't wipe up? Okay, like, fine, maybe you're in a rush, but it's on a regular basis. Uh, and then two is when I walk in to do some business and uh, there's there's a floater sitting in there, which is a little surprising to me. And three, the one that really gets me is when I look down at the toilet seat and it looks like someone maybe pooped out of their lower back. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Donnie. Who misses the toilet? Dude. I, like, I don't understand. Like, how is your aim so poor that you're sitting on the back of the toilet and just letting it fly and there's poop all over the back of the toilet? I, I So the question that I had for you. And I, then I how was, do you leave it there? Oh, dude. I, I It drives me crazy. But, like, one of the things that I wondered is I was starting to get revved up about this uh-huh. earlier after I went to the bathroom and it looked like a freaking hellscape. But, but, <laughs> but, but, like, seriously, what is, like, what's, like, the locker room like for a hockey team? I bet you that it doesn't look like that bathroom, I bet. No, no. They're self-policing on that one there. And if there's, like, a regular offender, then, like, yeah. Kangaroo court kind of something or the other kind of happens to that person. It's, it's dealt with. Yes, there have been several ways to deal with this. And uh, I remember one, I won't disclose what team or what player or situation exactly, but one player kept just leaving his business and not flushing it. This is before the auto flush time. This is like we got to actually, I don't know, reach down and hit the plunger. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so one day that player showed up to the rink and there was a crap sitting on his bench in his stall. Oh, well, just sitting there. Message sent. Yep. And he's like, what the hell is this? And somebody said, well, you leave that in the toilet every freaking time we got to deal with it, so deal with that. <laughs> he flushed after that. Dude, I feel like He those... wasn't very happy about the whole thing. But... <laughs> I, can, I can imagine, man. Yeah. I just, man. And I'm it, not saying that's the way to handle it. I, I just, it just drives me nuts because we're all grownups here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I mean, the, I wonder the, if the women's bathroom is the same. Because I've I've asked different times, like my girlfriend and even my daughters, and sometimes the answer I get is, "Oh, it's worse." I've heard that too. Mary has told me that. And I pictured it being. I always pictured it being like pristine in there because women are so good at, you know, 
picking up after themselves, cleaning up, making sure. But apparently they're not all that way. There was an episode of The Office where the ladies are out of the office and, like, they make this, like, thing about going into, like, the women's bathroom. And it's just this whole other world of, like, cleanliness oh, and, yeah. like, you know, oh. it's bright. Right, exactly. Well, thank you very much for, for hearing me out. I just, just as a grown-up that tries to, you know, handle my own business and take care of. Literally. Uh, and figuratively. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> like, it drives yes. me insane. But the first thing that we should have let off with, but uh, my temper got the best of me, is uh, I'm holding a press release in my hand. Uh-oh. right now from August the 16th of 2023, so about a week ago, the headline, Jamie Rivers named new lead TV analyst for the St. Louis Blues. My man. <laughs> Congratulations, dude. Thanks, buddy. I, I, uh... I mean, this is this is so huge. For, I mean, obviously, it's so huge for you, but man, like, in a course of a few years, you have really taken the ball, or puck rather, and friggin' ran with it. I mean, just incredible, and and it's so impressive. I'm so happy for you, dude. It's been a wild ride. It really has been. And, you know, I I helped out spot duty for probably the last 10 years. But in 2019, and I go back there all the time, I was sitting around wanting to be a part of something, and, you know, Dunk over at 101 was sick, and Anthony Stalter did not have a partner, and... The word got around or whatever, and my guy Jeff, our guy Jeff, yeah, called me and said, "Hey, you know, how interested would you be of just coming in, giving it a shot?" He's like, "I think you'd be great at it." And he goes, "I talked to Haas, Haas Newport, who was our guy at the time, and uh, he said he'd be willing to give you a shot. You know, I don't know when or whatever, but he might call you." A couple weeks later, Haas calls me and says, "Hey, would you be interested in coming in?" I said, "Absolutely." Now, I, I, I had never talked all sports. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I knew hockey, right. but I never talked all sports. So I remember going on a bit of a crash course at that point, called my guy Jimmy Ballgame and said, hey, look, what do I really need to be paying attention to here? Right. Of course, he he said, listen, it's all about the pitcher and the hitter. In today's game, it's pitcher and the hitter. You learn what they're talking about, talk you know, the, the stats, and, and you know, look up some of the numbers, the important numbers. And So I started doing that. So I got some help with that before my first actual time. And then we got on the air, and it was a great show. We had a lot of fun. Anthony and I just, it's like we were separated at birth. Yeah. It was so easy. It's like I'd known him my whole life. Great chemistry from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. And so Anthony's like, well, when are you back? I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, well, just keep coming in until they tell you not to. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, just come in. And if they don't want you here, they'll tell you that, and that's that. And so I just kept coming in day after day after day for the two-hour slot that was in the midday. And then the Blues went on their epic run. When I first came onto the airwaves, they weren't great. It Mm. was like, yeesh. So that was kind of tough to talk about right off the hop. How do you criticize the team right away? But then they started to win and do better. And so being a regular on the turn, and then Bally's Fox Sports Midwest at the time asked me if I'd be interested in doing every single playoff game for pre and post. Mm-hmm. Now they said that could be four games. Right. If it's bad. <laughs> or it could be who knows how many games. I jumped at the opportunity. I was like, yeah, I'll do every game. Whatever you whatever you need. So at that point I went from zero to doing now two hours of radio daily and then heading down to Enterprise Center or Ballpark Village to do pre and post for blues playoff games. And we know how it ended. They went to game seven, the Stanley Cup final, win the Stanley Cup. The rest is history. Following that, Tommy Mattern sat, sat down with me. 
Um, wanted to find out what my desires were like as far as radio business. Uh, then he built a show, Stalter and Rivers, and the midday show gave us a four-hour slot, which is crazy. And then moved up to the fast lane and continued to do Bally's and now lead analysts for Bally's. So the 2019 playoff run, as epic as it was for the Blues to win their first Stanley Cup, it was life-changing for me in my broadcasting career. It took me from sitting at home doing nothing, basically, as far as broadcasting. Yeah, I yeah. still had my company and all yeah. that stuff, you know, to where I am now, to where, you know, doing four hours of afternoon drive on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN, and then heading downtown or wherever on the road to do, you know, 70-some games of TV now. Dude, so one of the things that I, man, I just have so much respect for how you talk about going about your business as far as being a professional player, a hockey player, and then I see it as far as the preparation that you put in on 101 every day to your show. I know that the competitive part of you probably looks at this as a bit of a challenge. Oh, absolutely. How, you know, man, like, like how do you prep for this? How will you... You know what I'm saying? Like, how will you work on you getting better at your craft? Well, I think for me, I, I've had the luxury of kind of sort of doing this for the last two years. Mm-hmm. I think two years ago I got like 10 or 11 games for in-game stuff because Panger was doing TNT. Last year I think I got like 14 games under my belt. So it's not like I'm going into it not knowing what's going on, right. which is a huge advantage for me. I know the whole crew, you know, the, the cameraman, behind the camera, the producers, the directors, like John Kelly, I've, like we have a good chemistry. So I've got a good comfort level heading into the season about what I need to do. From there, for me, it's just all about learning still what the team is trying to accomplish. And it was great. Saw Craig Berube today down at the rink. I was skating a bunch of guys, and he came out to say hi, congratulate me. And we were laughing. He's like, this is going to be a lot of fun. He's like, we're going to have a great time. And if you have any questions, just let me know. Well, that's great. So now I'd be able to sit down with Chief or Otter and talk about, you know, what are you trying to accomplish on the four check? What are we doing here? When it when it's right, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. When it's not, what does it look like? So now as an analyst, I can look at it, dissect it, and when I'm watching these games, I know what I'm supposed to be looking for, and then I can relay that information to the viewer. Uh, and that's my job, is to kind of make sure that the people at home understand what they are seeing, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it good? What are they doing properly? Right. If it's bad, what could they do differently? And if the opposition's doing something different or something unique, what are they doing? I need to explain that. But I need to do it very quickly. I don't have, like, the desk, like, pre and post where you can sit there and make a whole segment out of it. I've got, like, 10 seconds. you got to turn it around. To be able to get in, make my point, and get out because John Kelly has to pick up the call, and I don't want to be stepping on his toes. Right, right. Man. So for me, it's just about how can I simplify the information even more and get it to the viewer quickly. Man, oh man. Dude, this is going to be great. And I kind of joked about this, but I'm kind of really not joking about it. At some point or the other, during the season, I am going to get tickets. <laughs> a couple of rows or a row behind you. And man, oh man, I, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do because I want you to get your job done effectively, but at the same time, i got to mess with you somehow. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be any fun if I didn't. But I think that frozen picture needs to happen of you being serious and doing your job and me behind you somewhere. Just like, being an absolute goofball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It absolutely man. needs to happen. <laughs> you know, and, and I know that this um, goes without saying, man, and, and I, I thought about this immediately after I saw this announcement. Dude, 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 Jeff would be so proud of you. 
like so ridiculous. Like he would put it on a T-shirt. My boy is the lead analyst for Fox Sports or for Valley Sports, and he would wear that everywhere he would be so proud of you and you doing this now man oh, i know and look at i i owe all of this to jeff i really do because i mean we're gonna go way back mid 90s mm-hmm. when jeff trish and tom were the morning show on 105.7 well jim campbell and i used to go down and do a friday morning segment or two you even did guys. a billboard for us did a billboard yeah. for you guys all that stuff and that kind of got me going and jeff and i became friends at that point and then, obviously, Jeff went on and do different things from time to time, you know, different radio shows, stations, whatnot. And he'd always have me on. We'd talk, we'd talk. And then, you know, for him to kind of not put his neck out there, but he did, saying, hey, look, you know, I got my guy Jamie Rivers in town and kind of opening that door for me. If he doesn't open that door in 2019, who knows where I'm at. Yeah. And so I owe him, I owe him, a, I mean, a massive amount of gratitude for what he was able to do and I'm just happy I'm able to do this because I know he always wanted this for me. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I, you know, it's been last week was a was a year since we lost Jeff, and so you know, for the last week or so, I've just been kind of thinking about it. And one of the things that I that I remembered it made me laugh, and, and that's one of the really rad parts about it. It's still very sad, and it's yeah. still obviously super heartbreaking. But like. The memories that we have with Homeboy, like, they all make me laugh for the most part. So that's pretty great. But I just remember when we went to see him when he was in hospice. Oh, God. And that, um, and whomever it was, and I don't know that they ever found out, sent him that gigantic cardboard penis. Oh, yeah. You remember oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> and just like in any other hospice room, this would be so wrong. But for Jeff, it was so right. <laughs> like it was just, dude, it was just absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know? Hey, look, he's he's obviously sorely missed. And I think about Julie and the girls all the time. And I know that life has been very difficult for them. And I can't even imagine, you know, how they process things. But I do know, and Julie's great about posting things on Facebook that I do know that they celebrate him a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of tears and there's still some sadness, but they celebrate Jeff a lot as they should because that's really what he'd want. Yeah. He'd want them to be celebrating him and not, you know, being sad. Yeah. What was the thing that he told me? Uh, we, we were having a discussion when things were, were not going great and we were in the point studio and, you know, we're talking about whatever. And I was like, well, dude, how's, how's Julie doing? Is Julie doing okay? And he looks directly at me and he goes, She's fine, man. She doesn't have cancer. <laughs> like, like, dude, like, there is no one else. And so, like, I just, you know, man, and part of, I guess part of my recovery or dealing or whatever is just talking about it, man. I just, I just love talking to. about it. The moment you start talking about them, that's when they disappear. Yeah. And if you don't want that to happen, you got to talk about them. Yeah, man. Talk about the good times, the bad times, the fights, the this, the that, the other, whatever it is, man. Yeah. Those are memories that 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 keeps it going. Dude, he was just he was just such the great balance guy. Oddly enough, I came off I came across a book last week. All this happening. Jeff's one year anniversary of of his passing, me getting the Bally's job. And then as I'm cleaning out my office, moving some things around, I find a book that Jeff gave me for Christmas a couple of years ago. The book is called Hookers and Blow. It's a children's cartoon book, Donnie. It's about a tow truck and a snowblower, but it's called Hookers and Blow. I laughed like a son of a gun. Yeah, man. Because only Jeff could 
passed that on. And it's actually a children's book. And he did it after we played a game on the Rizzuto show of uh, whether it was an adult film or a children's book. Uh, very good. And I would have been like, there's no way that's a children's book. He's like, oh, it is. And he sent it to me. Yep. Dude. I'm not getting rid of it. No. It's one of those things I might gift to people who know Jeff. And, like, we keep gifting it back and forth every year. Like that, back that's, and forth. That's a good one, man. I think that's fun. That's a fantastic idea. Well, I want a couple of things, too. People have asked, have asked, is the podcast going away since you're doing the Valley stuff? No. No. It's not going away. No. In fact, Donnie and I are going to introduce ourselves to technology. Yeah. And we plan on jumping on some laptops. We're going to talk with our guy Drew here at the station, set up a Zoom link for us, and get us going so that we can podcast anytime, anywhere, anyplace. A hundred percent. And then with you being out and, you know, on the road traversing and following our St. Louis Blues, we're going to have Alex Ferrario uh, join in when you're not able or when it's just more convenient. But then also, too, we've got some really great people here in the station. You know, uh, Grant, uh, who works over at yeah. 101, is... Is one uh, your boy uh, that produces the fast lane? Marshy, Marshy. Listen, we. I have to talk to him on this podcast because he is one of these guys that is so handsome that he tries to make himself look ugly with like um you know like uh, you know the the, the, the mullet. mullets and stuff yeah. and it still doesn't work he's still handsome as hell and it's it's you know what <laughs> it's really not fair to guys like me all right he's but, a hell of a hockey player too really yeah andrew marsh played triple a hockey al mckinnis coached him and andrew marsh was part of the st louis blues triple a team that went up and won the quebec Peewee tournament, which is the biggest tournament in the world for the Peewee level. Yeah. I just thought that he made like a rap album when he no, was like. Well, in, he did do com- that too. He right? he was an independent rapper, still looking for a label. However, um, <laughs> right, that happens. But no, he's a hell of a hockey player. Plays on a men's league team still, and oh yeah, so he knows his stuff. Dude, that's fantastic. That is fan freaking tastic. All right, let's read a couple emails. Wait, I think I only got one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Want me to read it for you, Donnie? No, no, no. Somehow I printed out single tickets for nine of the fabulous Fox Theater's 2023 shows. Or somebody else did, and you just grabbed it off the No, I think I did this for the arch, and then I just uh, had it in the wrong stack of preparation. It's fine, Donnie. It happens. We forgive you. Thank you, man. Uh, Hey, Donnie, Jeff, and uh, Jamie, just wanted to send out on this day good vibes to you guys. I know we all need uh, some today with the anniversary of Jeff's passing. I will forever miss that guy's huge heart, quick wit, and love for everything St. Louis, especially our blues. I've listened to the podcast religiously for years now and even go back to the beginning of it sometimes just to remember how we got to where we are now. He says... 
he has a three-hour round-trip commute for work, so he's got a lot of time to listen. I think I remember this guy. So 58 days left, so maybe like 51 now, uh, till the season opener. Are there any moves that the, that you guys could see Army doing late in this offseason like he did when we got Falk? I know this seems uh, a bit odd to ask, but I think I'm about to go stir-crazy uh, without some kind of hockey news. Uh, normally, I have the cards distract me, but we all know how that's going on this year. So uh, what do you think, Jamie? Is there a possibility? Uh, I would say no at this point, but there's a possibility of it happen happening during training camp. Really? Yeah. So I look at it where teams, everybody always thinks they're set. You know, they got the roster, got the young guys, and then it's inevitable that somebody gets hurt. And so there's a team out there that's going to have a third pair of defensemen that goes down with an injury. They, the young players that they have aren't quite there yet. They're going to be looking for somebody. And the Blues, with nine defensemen right now, they have a surplus. Mm-hmm. And I could see Army at that point making a deal. But based on the fact that somebody else has either stepped up and taken a spot, like if Perunovic comes and you know just outshines everybody else for a certain, then it makes player X, Y, or Z expendable. Mm-hmm. I could see Army making a deal. Try to make, clear up some of that space on the blue line because you don't have enough ice time for nine guys. Right. So you're going to have to do something. Um, so I think that that's one that you could look for. I don't. I don't see any like deals come like the Justin Falk deal. Mm-hmm. You've already the dance floor is too crowded as it is. You, you, Army's going to be looking to make deals to uh, free up roster spots and free up any kind of cap space that he can. I, as it stands right now, with the defense looking essentially the same as as it was last year. I go into the season seeing that as problematic. What What's do you the think? problem for you with it? Well, well, just I think overall lack of consistency. Yeah. From all virtually all parties concerned, maybe I don't put Justin Falk in there as much as maybe some but of the let other me ask guys. You something. Yeah. How did you feel about this defense core the year before in the last quarter of the season, heading into the playoffs, where we beat Minnesota and then pushed it to the brink with Colorado? I don't exactly remember because my brain is, uh, or my mind, or my memory's not great, but I'm going to bet you that I didn't see an issue like I do now. Correct. Just being honest. Correct. So it's the same group of guys, right? So why can they not go back to being more effective? Why can they not go back to being more consistent? They, they, listen, absolutely they can. But one of the things that I worry about, all right, is... The situation, I, I feel like it's kind of a cardinal situation. I won't call it a blue situation. If Tyler O'Neill plays yeah. up to his potential. Oh, I get it. If, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like but there's a lot this. of those ifs. So if there's an if with Tyler O'Neill, he's really only had one good season. Mm-hmm. Tory Krug has had how many good seasons? That's very true. He is a Nick proven. Lenny has had how many good seasons? Same, very much. Reiko, yep. Falk. Like, these guys, the back of their hockey card tells me they've been pretty damn good hockey players. Right. So... There's no forgiving last year because it was a bad year, but it was a bad year defensively in its entirety for the Blues. And not just the defense. Not just them. Now, yes. they did they did carry their own part in this, and there was way too many uh, empty net goals, too many net front goals, too many things like that that happened. That's on them. But I think that to a man, like they know, and to some degree have taken it personally. And how about Tory Krug? rumored to have been asked to waive his no-trade clause. He says, no, I'm not going to Philadelphia. Coming back now to camp this year, how do you think he feels? 
He wants to stick it where the sun don't shine, right? Right. He wants to say, you really? You wanted to trade me? You wanted to trade this? As he's quarterbacking maybe a top 10 power play again in the NHL? So he has a lot to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Nick Nick Letty has a chip on his shoulder. He has a lot to prove. Colton Pareko, you better believe he has a lot to prove. And Justin Falk, he's still, no matter what, he's still, for whatever reason, is playing in the shadow of Alex Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. People still, like, tie those two together. You kept Falk over Petro, which is not necessarily the case, but you don't think he wants to start shutting people up? Right. I think that this defense core, I'm not going to say they're going to be one of the best decors in the NHL. It's too early to say that. But they're going to be a much improved defensive group overall. And if you do that, when you have Jordan Bennington, who I know some people don't believe in, but I do heavily, and you also have Joe Hofer, who's a hell of a goalie, you do that, you're gonna your team's going to automatically be a lot better this year. Anybody that blames what happened last year on Jordan Bennington nah, was do, not watching this team. But they do because the numbers, right? Well, it's save percentage. Can, can I, I I have been meaning to ask you this for months, and I have completely forgotten about it, and I have completely forgotten his name. But there is an ESPN hockey reporter that I believe is a Blackhawks honk and absolutely freaking hates Jordan Bennington, and now I hate him too. Not not Bennington, but this hockey writer. Yeah. And I think you hate him as well. Is it Greg Wyshynski? That's him. I mean, just taking a stab at it. Yes, that's him. <laughs> well, 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 first of all, what what did this guy do to initially kind of draw your ear? But I, I swear to God, he, he is a Hawks guy, and he hates Bennington. And that's fine that he doesn't like Bennington, but he's not watching. He, he's yeah. not watching. So well, I don't hate Greg Wyshynski. I don't. I I don't agree with a lot of the, his takes. And for me, he's a little bit hot take, you know. Mm-hmm. He throws stuff out there that he knows is going to get a response. Clicks. I just, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but the problem that I have with what he, he puts out there is that he does it from a perspective of, like, a do-gooder. Like, he doesn't like Jordan Bennington for his antics. Right. And, like, all this stuff. I'm like, dude. Like this sort of like like nose up in the air. It's just like a lot of things in this world right now when people uh, take a certain stance, even if they're wrong, they continue to have that stance. And that's what, I think that's the frustrating part with society in general right now is nobody can actually have a real discussion because nobody will budge or mm-hmm. open themselves up for discussion. Mm-hmm. Greg's that way. He gets a stance on on tough guys he gets a stance on physicality he gets a stance on goaltending and and it's just like he has no real idea what he's talking about because a lot of the stuff that he alludes to is stuff that happens in the trenches it's stuff that you can't know unless you've lived it Mm -hmm. now i'm not saying that reporters and writers and all that don't have a great eye for the game or understand no they do Mm -hmm. they do but when you're talking about stuff that happens in the trenches like blocking shots physicality all this stuff like you have to have lived it in order to comment on it or to critique somebody on it you have to know what they're going through in that moment because what happens in those moments is not an analytic it's not Mm -hmm. It's like the desire, the human reaction, the human response, all this stuff. And how can you write about something like that unless you've been in that situation? So that's where I think, for me, he veers off the course a little bit, and that's where we butt heads. Um, As far as the Jordan Bennington thing goes, it's an easy narrative for people. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's an easy narrative. Well, his numbers weren't good. Okay, but did you see the backdoor tap-in? Yeah, I know, but still, overall, his save percentage wasn't good. 
Okay. You're right. Fine. Right. Just going to move on. And there are, the top five teams in the NHL, um, I would argue that if they had their number one goalie go down and they were playing a game seven playoff game, they'd want Jordan Bennington in the pipes for them. 100%. So it, it just, that tells me all I need to know. Why would, and this is just me and and my, uh, why would the Leafs only sign, or why would Austin Matthews only want to sign for four years with the Leafs? Why wouldn't they want to try to, you know, do one of those eight or nine-year deals that locks him up as a Leaf forever? Well, two sides to this. The player side, it lets him get another kick at the can four years from now. Okay. So if he's absolutely tearing it up still four years from now, he's making $13 million for the next four years, he'll make, what, $20 million maybe. Who knows? Wow. So he gets another chance to... Get back to the negotiating table. To get a table. Big, big cash in. And he'd be unrestricted. So it's not just like negotiating with the Leafs. It's like whoever wants him. Who's the highest bidder? So that's what, for the for the player, that's what it does. For the organization, what if you guys stink? Yeah. What if you guys stink for the next couple of years and you have to go through a complete rebuild because you can't afford all the players that you have right now? You're already in cap hell, as the Toronto Maple Leafs are. So now you're not married to a player for seven or eight years you can go in a completely different direction with your organization four years from now. Man, it's still very, um, I don't know. I, I still, as an outsider, and that whole Leafs thing I told you as the season was was kind of winding up, it's just so fascinating to me, the sort of New York Yankees of the NHL and them not being able to push over this hump. And just it's just so crazy to me that even in the States, how that media focus is there uh-huh. on that team. So I cannot even imagine what it's like in that market, man. I cannot even imagine. It's intense, to say the least. To, to say the least. So what are, how many players are, I mean, I would bet you that a good chunk of the guys are probably in town. Yeah, there's a number of them. Guys are still kind of in and out, in and out. Like Schenner was, uh, he was in for most of the summer. He left this week. I think he went back home for a week to kind of, you know, get his last little relaxation in before the season hits. Um and we've had in between six to nine guys hitting the ice on a pretty daily basis. They take like one day off a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, and next week will be more guys. And then the young guys start coming in because they've got the the prospect tournaments before the real training camp starts. And so it'll go from six to 10 to like 40 guys here in the next couple of weeks. We'll have two sheets going at the same time with practices and scrimmages and all sorts of crap. Man, that's so awesome. I'm so ready for hockey, man. <laughs> like I, I and, and obviously it has not helped, and, and and it's been this way for the last couple of years with me in Major League Baseball, that I just do not find myself watching other teams like I used to, and so that when the Cardinals aren't aren't good, I'm just not watching baseball at all. Yeah, and dude, I am fiending for the NHL and NFL right now. Like, I am already set up to be disappointed for my Bills, so I'm hoping that my Blues can really kind of help me through what I assume is going to be a real cold, sad winter for my football team. <laughs> and, and I think they could even still win nine or ten games and still, it, you know, man, when when, when the end result and, and what you want is, is so up there – you know, anything other than that just seems like kind of a letdown yeah. at this point. And I'm just concerned. I have I've many, many concerns. I want to tell folks, if they have not had the opportunity to read Kevin Hayes' tribute to his brother Jimmy in the Players' Tribune, I think it was released yesterday. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautifully, beautifully well done. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that, that, tons and tons of ways that sports and real life 
intersect. And I think sometimes we get the idea that athletes and maybe their families, since there is so much money involved, that maybe they don't have the same sort of concerns or the same issues and problems that we do. And and that's just not the case. And seeing, you know, just in that article, their dad talking to Jimmy about the issues that he uh-huh. potentially that he saw. I mean, it's a really tremendous article, and I would bet you that even if you're not a hockey fan or a hockey person, it's going to touch you because it's. I mean, it's really beautiful well, it's the way than that it was. Sport of hockey, it's bigger than any sport at that point. It dives into the human element of it, and to exactly like you said, what families deal with. Like these guys are paid handsomely. There's no doubt, but that doesn't mean life has no problems. Yeah. In fact, sometimes the more money you have, the bigger your problems are because you have access to more. And when you're playing a sport that is so demanding from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, and then there's trades and being cut and not being able to find a job, and then the money stops, and then you're, you're addicted to painkillers because your body's a wreck because of the game, and it, like there's so much that goes into it. Has the, has, has, and I would assume the answer to this is a big duh and yes, but is the NHL sports in general a lot more careful with painkillers, with that kind of thing these days yeah, be, because of, say, the last 10 years and, and how the opioid crisis just went completely out of control? Yeah, they've got a better grasp on things now. Uh, they try a lot of alternative ways to keep the pain down rather than going right to the top of the food chain and, and giving guys like Oxycontin or even Vicodin and things like that. There's still situations where guys have to deal with it. You know, you got a knee surgery or a shoulder surgery and pain is unbearable or whatever but it's monitored you know it it's no fault of anybody's way back when but it wasn't really monitored sure it was like how do i just get this guy back on the ice and how do i keep him going uh oh this works this makes you feel good you're fine okay great why are you asking me for 20 of them now right well are you taking them at home yeah well i get really sore at home too oh okay and that's how it happens. Yeah, man. I, I just, I can't even imagine. Because, man, I mean, like, like I'm 47, and if I sleep wrong, like, it's tough to just, like, get up and walk to the kitchen to get Tylenol. Yeah. And that's that's just me because I'm fat and out of shape. You know what I mean? That's that's <laughs> that's not b- b- because I'm putting my body through the ringer every day. Yeah. And so it's, um, man, it's just something so scary. But there was just something so beautiful about that tribute. And then also, too, the way that, like, the, the way that he describes their sisters who, like, view them as, viewed them as, like, the top, two of the top five players in the NHL, you know, because, you know, Kevin does the little things, you know, that kind of thing. It just, it, it was just so wonderfully sweet. And again, man, I, I just think that when those instances are brought up and we are able to talk about those things collectively, all of us together, I think it helps us realize we're not alone, that we all, you know, one way or the other, we're all kind of dealing with with, with something along those lines. So I absolutely cannot cannot recommend that article on the Players' Tribune enough uh, with, with Kevin Hayes. Well, Mr. Rivers, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here today. We did. We did. 34 minutes, man. There we go, baby. We knocked that out. I'm ready to have some actual hockey to talk about. Well, you know what I mean? Won't be long, buddy. I need to be mad about something with the St. Louis Blues, and I can't find anything. You come right poke now. your nose in at training camp, <laughs> have some fun. I think I'm for sure going to do that. I actually today, for the first time in my career, I got a 2023, 2024 
St. Louis Blues press pass. Wow. Look at you go. So, uh, you know, my kids are older now, and most of the time that I'm at home, they're like, why are you here? You know, I'm doing my own thing. And so uh, I was talking to Mary, and she was like, you should do that. She's like, then you could be there. You could watch it, you know, and, and you know, you'll be able to have the stuff to talk about it. It'll be different TV, blah, 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 blah. And I, I told you, man, my, my whole thing with this is imposter syndrome, big time. I'm a music guy, man. I'm a music guy that just loves the hell out of sports. And when I get up there and I see the actual journalists and people that should be up there, yeah. dude, I feel like a pretender. And I'm just being incredibly yeah, you're honest. Not. You're bringing tons of blues content to the airwaves here locally anywhere who, where you can download a podcast. So if there's blues fans that want content, if you don't watch the games or you're not there, or you don't have a pulse on it, what the hell are they listening for? Yeah. I, I, but so no, man, I, you get what I'm coming from. The first time I that do, I, but I need you to just shut up and stop talking that way. Dude, the first time I walked into the press box, the first person I saw was Doug Armstrong, and dude, he looks intimidating on TV. In real life, he looks about thirty times more intimidating. <laughs> and so I was just like, not make eye contact. Just walk to the press. Just walk to the booth. Just walk to the booth. Don't trip on your shoes in front of these guys. But it's uh, and then also too being there for a playoff game. I was sitting next to Alex, and uh, and and something happened. Like the first period was just a train wreck or something, and me just having to sit on my hands and like not being able to yell, not being oh, yeah. able to like voice any sort like that was very difficult man like oh yeah you know keep yourself in check dude a hundred percent yeah but uh i really feel like between between you between alex between me between everything that espn has with the blues man we're gonna cover this team and have a hell of a freaking ton of fun in which that's doing it you know fun year man i can't believe this dude like every time that i that something like this happens like my mom calls me and she'd be like I'm so proud of you. Like, well, thank, thank you, Ma. I, I appreciate it. But but because this stuff, man, like before I was a music guy, I was a sports guy. I was the guy taking around my tape recorder to the rooms in our house to, to do the Cardinal games when I was like six or seven. So like the fact that like this is even a thing, that they ask for a, 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 a professional picture to put on a press pass for me <laughs> blows me away, man. I got to not screw this up. Congratulations, Donnie. Oh, same to you, Jamie. Same to you. Same to you. Welcome oh, to the club. And I bet you're going to have to get a. You're going to get a bunch of new suits too. I bet uh, you're going to have to. I bought a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I went and bought a couple. I've got a. I've got a great suit for opening night here. Fantastic. I like it. That's one thing I do really appreciate about you, man. You you sharpen those things up. Oh yeah. Man. You do well. I like I like bringing the suit game. You do that on your own, or does your girl help you? Uh, I buy all the clothes on my own. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, does she like if I have two ties to pick from? Does she is she's a tiebreaker sometimes? Because mentally, I I like one of them, and then but I'll bring another one and see. Yeah, and she'll say, "Well, I like that one or that one." Ninety percent of the time, she's picking the same one as me, and then when she doesn't, I go, "Why? Like, why do you like this one better?" <laughs> like, like you don't believe her. Oh, I, 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 well, I want to know why. <laughs> right. I want to make sure she's actually put some thought into it, Donnie. <laughs> Not just making me go away by saying that one. Am I? Am, am I crazy in saying this, but did your girl receive her doctorate, or did she get another degree on top of so, degrees she already had? Yeah. So she's my, a badass. My girlfriend is a badass. Uh, she's a doctor of chiropractic, 
So she, you know, she's a doctor and she's a clinician at Logan University, basically, you know, shaping the next wave of chiropractors every year. And while doing so, she completed her master's in sports science and rehabilitation. Damn. Yeah. Dude, I got to quit bitching about being busy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I always, I feel like I don't even know if I can talk to her sometimes because I'm not smart enough to talk to her. That's really impressive. Yeah. Congratulations. She's a hard worker, man. Like, just hard work. We're moving in together right now. Yeah. That's a big moment. Um, In fact, the movers are there today. Oh, wow. Moving her stuff in. And this woman, I pull up after skating the blues. I got to run my nephew back to the house. His flight's leaving, all this craziness. And this woman's out. She cut all the grass and she's doing the trimming. Dude. Before the. What I, here's what I love about her is that she doesn't let you give me trouble when we're around each other. Oh, no, other. She, she's on Team Donnie. Dude, and I love that so much, <laughs> man. I love that so much. All right, so for our very good pal Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers again, congratulations, my Thank man. We, much. as well as the Last Minute Blues podcast listeners, are super freaking proud of you and stoked to see what you do this year. And uh, we'll be back another episode of the Last Minute Blues podcast when we can make it happen. Thank you very much for listening. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.